everyone, and welcome to Fireside Friends. This is episode 28. I'm Ryan Versaud, and with me are my co-hosts, Alan Ibrahim. That's me! I couldn't come up with a good and, intro. <laughs> and Katie Marie. Hello! How y'all doing today? Doing pretty well. Yeah. I've been nice and active lately, so that's a nice change. Me too. It's been a busy week for me. How's that, Ryan? I had to do a project about campaigning for or against a piece of legislation, and so I had I did my project on uh, one of the anti-trans bills. So I did a project where I basically made flyers, um, did some information sheets and stuff relating to uh, an anti-trans bill, and it was fun because I got. Fun, maybe fun's not the right word, but it was interesting <laughs> because I got to make me. We were encouraged to make memes and fake tweets about this bill, and so I got to dunk on the person who made this anti-trans bill. Shoutouts to Bob Marshall, you fucking asshole! Um, <laughs> Literally shoutouts, like shout in his face in his home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. shoutouts to that guy, and then. What else did I do this week? Oh, so I had to do a video project, and our assignment was like, interview three people. So I worked with a partner, and we went and interviewed people, and this this is all on camera. And the thing about doing that is nobody likes to be interviewed on camera. (laughs) <laughs> unless they know about it ahead of time because people are self-conscious about how they look and stuff like that. So my partner uh, had some trouble finding some people to interview. Um, and I got lucky because I just asked people who were like walking around campus and I asked a group of people and they were like, you know what? Yeah, fine. <laughs> sure. Yeah, let's do it. I'm like, right really (laughs) um so yeah that was the whole thing again to learn how to mic people up and use cameras and stuff mass comms weird well hey that's pretty cool it's weird that i get access to expensive (laughs) equipment as part of my major in school but yeah uh that's my week sounds like a learning experience for sure for sure yeah what about you, Alan? How's pharmacy life? Uh, I work a lot. A lot. I work a whole lot. Um, <laughs> I just do. It's been, it's actually been better lately. We've been handling things pretty well, but I've had some days where I'm just like, I, I don't know why I'm here. This is so much. I don't know why everyone comes to this one pharmacy. I, it's, very, it's a very busy. But I think you think about it sometimes, and it's like, would I rather work at a boring place and get paid to like have to talk to every single person and give them all like 200% attention and just sit there and, and feel the same thing. Like, I just, I think the pace of it as my first job, it was good. Um, but I mm-hmm. am definitely like the thing that keeps me going is looking ahead um, and looking at like what I'm going to be doing in the future. Cause it's not the job I want to spend my life doing. Certainly not. Um, so that kind of makes it a lot easier and finding time to do stuff like this. Uh, definitely makes the days go by faster and happier. For sure. I went to PAX. Oh, yeah, that happened. It did happen. Uh, How was it? 
I'll keep it brief. I met Fireside Friends guests, both uh, Courtney, K Money, Terry, aka Black Ness, aka the real mom, <laughs> the real video games mom. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Gives very good hugs, takes very good selfies. Uh, and then <laughs> Fireside Friends' own uh, Alexandra Van Chestine, um, I had heard was nearby. And I was like, ah, I'm pretty shy to meet her. I don't know what I'm going to say. And then she ran up to me and started screaming and then like ran up to me and hugged me. And I was like, oh, <laughs> hi. She's <laughs> like, why are you Good. afraid? I'm like, you're very tall and amazing and inspiring. And I'm going to die. <laughs> and then they all had to go do, I don't know, PAX wrestling things, which sounded like yeah. an, an adventure that I didn't go to. Uh, and then, yeah, I like played a lot of video games and I played Munchkin for the first time. Which was kind of cool. Uh, that's like the card game. I mm. got to meet Scott Benson, who made Night, who worked on Night nice. in the Woods, which was cool. Um, yeah, just a very good time. It was one of the better packs, for sure. I went with a lot of cool people and met some great people there as well. That's awesome. Uh, so yeah, you met those two, and me and Courtney, or sorry, me and Katie met Shannon last year. So that's yeah. Three three guests three fireside friends guests that we've hung out with for reals in real life so that's cool jackson <laughs> let's start a patreon to bring jackson to america and brenna to <laughs> i don't know a convention <laughs> yeah that's what it's called bring brenna to a convention <laughs> it'll be huge it'll blow up it'll blow up better than uh kind of funny games and kind of funny on patreon oh god <laughs> Both of us. <laughs> oh God, we doing this? I knew you wanted. To, I knew you were gonna. He'd be. That was gonna light up your fire, Ryan. Uh, what about you, Caitlin? How have you been busy? Um. Well, I've definitely been like exercising more and going for walks again and playing mm -hmm. Pokemon Go again. Actually, ooh. So... How are the new Pokemon? How's the new generation? It's pretty cool. Like, I actually wasn't aware of a lot of the changes that they had made. Um, and I really like a lot of them. Um, basically, like, you get rewarded for playing multiple days in a row. So that's pretty cool. Um, and then, like, the Pokemon are all really cute. And I don't know. It's pretty It's pretty nice. I, I like it. It's not something I, like, intend to play constantly. Um mm -hmm. But if, you know, I'm currently walking, I'm like, oh, why not? You know? Yeah. So. Crack, cool. crack it open, catch a smoochum, call it a day. Exactly. So that's been pretty nice. Uh, just because, like, I'm out in nature. Um, but I've also been taking care, like, really good care of this stray cat that basically lives off of our back porch now. Um, I think somebody at our apartment complex, like, abandoned her or something. Anyway, I've been, like, hanging out with her and been petting her and giving her food. And I bought, like, a little heater for her and stuff. So that's been nice. I've tried to introduce her to my current cats. Um, and, like, she's not aggressive or anything, but my cats are just, like, afraid. <laughs> but it is what it is. Um... And yeah, other than that, I've been back in school, and in a few days, I'm going to be building a website to get Ooh. my full certificate. And I also got 
a new tattoo. So nice. Pretty, Whoa. pretty fun. Um, I got a rose. Nice. It me. Um, <laughs> but then I also got my Cupid's bow tattoo touched up because it cool. was fading a little bit. But it's all good now. So awesome. Things have been fun. Um, maybe fun's not the right word. <laughs> maybe for you it is. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> things have me. been things. Things have been going. Let's say. Yeah. Uh, do you all want to talk about Paper Girls? Yes. As a concept so or as a narrative device or what or a book <laughs> or what? <laughs> all right. So we are doing our first comic book series for Fireside Friends. Uh, we are talking about Paper Girls, which is a comic series written by Brian K. Vaughn and illustrated by Cliff Chang. Um, it is about 12-year-old women who deliver papers. And That's it. Is it ha- does it start on <laughs> Halloween? I think right? so. Yeah, because there's a kid in uh, like a skull. They're like, oh, he's in a costume, but he's not a kid yeah. in a costume. Yeah. They deliver newspapers on Halloween, and some fucked up shit happens. And there's a bunch of dinosaurs <laughs> and time traveling and Apple logos. It's a weird comic. And yep. I am interested in talking about it with you all. Um, I guess I don't remember how or why I started reading. I had heard from multiple people that yeah. it was like, hey, it's like... It's like Stranger Things, but with girls. And I was like, well, I haven't seen Stranger Things, but I like horror, so I guess I'll check this book out. And I read it in October, which I had my like Halloween mood where I was like watching Hannibal and reading stuff like this. Um, and I read Volume 1 in October, and then I read Volume 2 for this podcast like yesterday. So... Yeah, um, I guess we'll go around and do general thoughts on this comic. Alan, what do you think? It's so fucking weird. <laughs> it's like profoundly weird. I kind of I dig it. Um, little background: I have been reading Brian K. Vaughn's work since why, reading Why the Last Man in like ninth grade. Um, I was like taking it out from the library with a friend like every other week and just blasting through like 10 volumes of this story. Um, And then, you know, following up, like when I first started getting back into comics in 2012, when he started writing Saga and getting into doing more like online independent publishing, I just kept up with all of that. And I think he's a brilliant writer, um, but but he has this tendency to write a lot of his stories around final moments. and like final shots and it just it continues throughout all of his work it's a it's a concept that it almost feels like it's coming from an old style of comic book writing where you need to sell someone on the next issue by ending on a big ass cliffhanger but Mm. like he does it with everything like a lot of issues of saga are just like and then this character showed up to be continued and paper girls while absolutely beautiful and uh while managing to be like 
a love letter to sort of like 80s culture and all that stuff without being obnoxious about it still does the thing where every issue ends like like a little bit of stuff happens during it there's some character development the girls are interesting etc and then there's just a thing and the next issue only its only job is to talk about that thing and and they get into like lore and then you're like i don't i just want to see these girls go on more adventures but i keep they keep having to stop because of the way that comics work out like they have to stop on these big dramatic gasp moments so it feels like a very staccato sort of storytelling style that sometimes works and sometimes leaves you feeling incredibly unsatisfied as we're going to talk about. Yeah. How about you, Katie? Um, it's definitely weird. Um, I do think it is beautifully illustrated. I love it. And like visually, I think that it's really great. Of, of course, the um, palette watch palette cast you know classic classic fireside friends um but i do really appreciate a lot of the colors and stuff that it brings um because it definitely tells a lot about the mood and um i don't know it's just classic you know it's like okay it's really blue and then the alien grill has red on and it's like okay yeah so we can see that the red person's out of place and they're the alien so you know i appreciate it for the visual aspects in that regard but also um i kind of don't like it Um, (laughs) the story um to me it just feels like there's too much going on if that makes Mm -hmm. sense it's like these guys are aliens these guys are the bad guys, but you thought these guys are the bad guys and there's dinosaurs and the people in the fancy suits are like friends with the dinosaurs. And then apparently they're bad for some reason. Also Apple. Okay. Is there and, um, biblical imagery and all kinds of stuff like that. What's actually happening. I don't know. And, (laughs) That's that's the feeling I get from it is like I'm not 100% sure where the story is heading and like what kind of story it's even telling. Mm-hmm. But like you said Alan, I feel like a lot of the um the like <gasps> scenes, like the gasp scenes um kind of force the story to like take these branches because every issue needs to end in a twist yes so it's like well because of all these different twists there's all this different stuff going on and it doesn't quite make sense and it doesn't um feel like a story as opposed it feels more like i don't know so can i use this as a segue to get into it now yes because here's a moment for me that encapsulates all of that uh Mackenzie's mom. Yep. Or her stepmom. Yes. Uh on its own, I like the dialogue in that scene a lot. It's great. Yeah. I like the dynamic. I like that Kenzie is like or Mac for short. They call her mm-hmm. Mac for short. Anyway. Uh I like how standoffish they are at first, but then when uh Mackenzie uh, does she have a character name or is it just her stepmom? Alice. I think. Alice. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
she goes to commit suicide and mac is like you know actually i love you and stuff like that um i thought that was all cool until she kind of just disappears and she's only and i like i do like the dialogue a lot but she's only in this comic for like what three pages yeah Yeah. something like that (laughs) and i i like i wish that she was actually a character in this book um i just i didn't think they did enough with that and by the end of it it felt like a plot device because it's like oh you need you need Mackenzie's stepmom to have the gun and then something needs to happen to um Aaron so she actually she accidentally gets shot so then they can move on to a different it felt, felt very if you look at it and like what's actually happening in the plot it felt very sterile to me maybe not sterile but like her character was a plot device, yeah. like a well a well disguised one. But yeah, I, I I didn't think that was handled as well as it could have, or I, or at least I wanted more of it. I guess. Yeah. Well, because the story has so many moments like that. I thought you were going to use that moment to talk about how it ends with Mackenzie, I believe, getting shot or Aaron. Aaron, Aaron gets, gets shot. shot. Yeah. Which only like the next issue opens with like actually she's fine we're gonna take her to a hospital but then the only time that moment pays off at all is like way later when older Aaron is like I always wondered what happened when I got how did I get this scar and you're like okay was that whole thing with the mom just so we could do this moment later with the time travel because this well I mean to be fair her getting shot just is pushes the plot forward because they're just looking right for her to be healed and that's what they're doing for the rest of that arc basically but it kind but it also like they they call back to a lot of moments like that every once in a while and they bring back things that are like brushed past so fast and then they they're mentioned later and you're like oh i didn't know that was even a thing i had to care about like the the two i guess the two men that uh kind of like help them out initially um they have like funny names i can't remember but uh, they're brought up it's later. Uncle like, Heck is one of them, but I can't remember the yeah. other name. Heck is one that reminds me of that old, uh, whatever. <laughs> Heck is just a fun word. Um, Heck is also gay. Yep. In this comic. Heck is also gay. Accurate. Uh, they're like brought up later like, oh, we wouldn't be here. If we're... Like technically it's true that none of this story oh, right. happened. Yeah. Because I was like, wait, you expected me to remember the names of those characters? Yeah. <laughs> Right, I remembered Heck because it's a good name, and I like forgot the other name because I was just like, ah, oh, there's so much crap. There's like, there's I think language is actually a thing that's really cool that this comic does. Right. Um, Brian K. Vaughn actually has some. Uh, I'm not sure from which country exactly, but he has Spanish-speaking uh, family uh, in his background, and he actually wrote a whole comic called Barrier that is half in Spanish and half in English. It's about the border between Mexico and the United States. Um, Mm-hmm. And he does stuff with language in all of his stories that I think is great, which is like not making it an English centric story because uh, there's like mm-hmm. long, not long, but there's like entire parts of dialogue that are spoken in the future dialogue, future language, yeah. um, mm-hmm. which is either represented as like jarbled alien non-English language or when somebody's trying to trying to sound English, but they're not going through a translator. They're doing that thing where they're like. I don't even know how to describe it, but there are characters in the story who like like when Aaron, the the third Aaron that we meet, uh, is speaking to them for the first time. It's like, 
what's are you doing kind of thing like they kind of like sound it right. sounds english if you say it out loud but it's written like complete nonsense yeah uh yep. yeah i think that stuff is cool because it's just like oh that in time like when they traveled through time like english didn't carry over and they all have to wear those necklaces right. and when they lose the necklace they can't speak english uh and they can't mm-hmm. communicate like imagine how scary it is meeting heck and his friend for the first time and they're just every character that the girls meet in the first volume is speaking in that other language. And they're like, I don't know what's going on. And neither does the reader. And I think that stuff just goes a long way to like making you like the girls a lot. Is that making everyone else feel like an outsider helps. Um, But I get, again, like that stuff changes a lot by the second volume with the time travel and the different errands. All right. Let's focus on volume one right now, because I think they are very different. They're yes. very different arcs. Um, and um, I should clarify that uh, Volume 1 is issues 1 through 5, and Volume 2 is issues 6 through 10. <laughs> Thanks, <man. laughs> Um Yeah, that's because useful information. Maybe someone on this podcast didn't realize that we were reading 10 issues. <laughs> Whose name may or may not rhyme with matey. <laughs> <laughs> But it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Anyway, um, yeah, um, I'm maybe just gonna look at my notes for Volume One stuff. I did one. I want to point out one scene that I did like, which is the issue uh, immediate immediately after um, Aaron gets shot. Is like it opens with like two shitty teens or whatever in like a football field, and like. Mm-hmm the woman like her boyfriend like disappears and like this fucking weird like apocalypse shit is happening and this fucking asshole dude is like oh yes your boyfriend's (laughs) gone finally now you're mine which is like the perfect shitty teen dude fucking fantasy shit yep and then they both kind of just die nah i wish he would just kill the dude well do they die though Okay, they don't die. They get transported to whatever the fuck they are in yeah. with the weird... The, like, um, capsule thingies. Yeah. It's the Upside Down. Yeah. <laughs> Stranger Things, sorry. <sighs> whatever that is, I thought they died. But, um, guess not. Yeah. They're being... They're preserved? being held captive. They're being held captive by the fucking Big Lebowski. <laughs> I mean, you're God. not wrong. The Big Lebowski what and is his with, cool, like, lady warrior friend. What is with the the villain of this dude is, like, this old guy who wears band shirts? I don't know. What's wrong with Macintosh? Why is it so bad? Yeah. The whole, like... Okay, so that whole fucking thing is basically... It's the stinger at the end of the first issue where she gets a Mac looking thing, which clearly means there's time travel, but then they extend it out to the whole comic, even though it's kind of just dumb outside of that one <laughs> instance. Yeah. <laughs> they they don't really use the Apple concept well either. They're just like, no. like what what is the device that future Aaron gets? Or, like, President Aaron gets and then gives to Future Aaron. It's just a, a cube with the Apple logo on it. And when she holds it, it speaks to her and gives her a mental GPS. It's like a, yeah. a video game upgrade. It, like, doesn't... It doesn't functionally contribute anything to the story other than to, like, give them somewhere to go. Uh, right. Similar to, like, 
how it's, it felt like the gunshot thing was a plot device. It's just like these things where you're like, that's something really interesting you could have explored. Like, what is the future? What is the next ten years of Apple tech look like, or whatever? Like, yeah. what does the future thing look like? It's a square. I guess that's cool. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. They're gonna keep making them smaller until they're just in your head. Mm-hmm. But they don't even like talk about it. It just exists. Um. Which is kind of cool. It's kind of cool to just say like, oh, this is a thing. It's in the future. It's weird. It's Apple. Um, but then, yeah, they when we talk about Vine 2, they like pay off the Apple thing in the worst way. <laughs> I will say this about Volume 1, though. And I guess Volume 2 to an extent. I like how ambiguous it is. Yeah. Like Katie mentioned like, oh, you don't know what who's good or who's evil. But I kind of like that. Or only that like. This is a weird fucking thing that is happening to these kids. Yeah. And you wouldn't know what to trust if a bunch of people came to you and it's like, hey, we'll help your friend. You come with me. And then five seconds later, another person says the exact same and thing. And kills them. And yeah. they're like, Whew, glad you avoided that guy. <laughs> uh, so I kind of do like how ambiguous it is. Um, the part where it gets bad is that there's going to be answers to those questions at some point. Right. And maybe those answers are not worth it or are extremely cheesy and weird. Right. Um, so, yeah, uh, I guess I guess I'll talk about the thing I do like okay. is the green monster with the eyes towards the end of volume one that like chokes out tiffany by the way tiffany doing the most in this fucking comic (laughs) she's always like getting attacked by monsters or protecting people from getting attacked by monsters or riding the monsters or riding the monsters she's doing the most in this comic and i don't think she's getting the credit she deserves uh so shout outs to tiffany in this book you put in work 100 (laughs) percent. but yeah i like the design of that weird green orb thing and I like that she her life flashes before her eyes and she's fucking playing Arkanoid. Same. Um, but yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I thought the way that was done was pretty good. But all, on the whole, and this is even more so in issue two, I feel like I was sold a bill of goods. Volume two. The front, the front, oh, sorry, volume two, yeah. On the front of Paper Girls volume one, I'm flipping through it right now if you can't hear it on the microphone, but... On the front of Paper Girls Volume 1, there is uh, a, a picture of a pumpkin with okay. the witch hat on it. So you're like, okay, this is going to be a Halloween comic. And you read it, and it's like, all right, it's spooky. It's got the like really cool color palette that I really like a lot. Um, they go into the basement, which is really spooky, and they find that weird ship. And that's cool. And then there's like weird monsters and stuff. Um, and then... It just turns into an apocalyptic time travel story type deal. And I don't know if I want to say that it's bad per se. But again, like Katie said, it just tries to do a lot. And I kind of don't know how to feel about a lot of it. Um, And I feel like the only reason that I like it or like at least kept reading was because I really liked the characters, but I felt like I only had a good grasp on them until volume two, because volume two is when things get really off the rails. But the thing that kept it together was the characters and some of the like character work that they do was really nice. But other than that, like I had, 
I kind of like lost faith in the fact that the story is probably not for me. Uh, so that's kind of my broader take on that stuff. I, I, I think one of my biggest worries with this story going forward is that it feels like it's trying to give us answers. Um, and as somebody who ranks lost as one of my like top favorite shows of all time, uh, especially because I appreciated it when they gave the middle finger to people asking for answers, (laughs) essentially, I, I don't want to know what's up with the Apple logo, what's up with the Templars. I think there's a pitch meeting out there where Brian K. Vaughn like explained the story of four girls at like 4 a.m. on Halloween night. And they're out for a paper paper girls adventure and a cool Templar dude in like shining white armor is riding on the back of a pterodactyl and he says, come with me, I'm going to save you or something. And like mm-hmm. that's the, that's like the, the, the selling point of the story. Uh, and then they keep going and they keep going and now there's like time travel and it's like, who do you trust? Which version of Aaron do you trust? And it's like, ugh, I just want them to see weird shit and, and react to it. It feels like improv, but in a comic. It yeah, really does. That's a, that's a really good way to describe point. it, actually. <laughs> yeah. It feels like it's just like, trying oh, to there's this dinosaur and then there's pterodactyls and then there's she sees her future self and she's 40 years old and then... <laughs> Her sister is like a, she can fly helicopters and that's how they're able to get to the uh, portal. The portal takes God. them to fantasy Ireland. Uh, yeah. yeah. So much, so much just like raw imagery, nonsense, chaos. Uh, Which on one hand is cool. There's some of it I really like and is drawn really well. Oh, yeah. But and stuff like. Oh, you know, I was a clone <laughs> of Aaron because when you all went into the basement to get shocked by the space thing, it would it put a like protective shield on you, and now you're immune from the old like whatever they call them old timers oldies old timers now they're so now they're valuable and now we want them as assets for our war it's like what why is there a <laughs> why why are you doing this yeah that's just yeah. The there's the the part in issue or sorry in volume two um and i guess we're probably just gonna focus all our energy on volume two now because it's fucking bonkers but the part where third Aaron is in the taxi and she's just doing a lore dump in the back seat of this cab and yeah. the the cat well the the uber it's an uber yes. oh sorry the uber <laughs> make a point right. to say that it's an uber yeah but yeah she's just like talking to the cab driver and it's like i guess she would i don't okay <laughs> here let me read this lore dumpy dialogue ready okay Cab driver says, or sorry, Uber driver says, what does any of that mean? And then she says, I don't blame you for being confused. Whatever this era's psychiatrists have taught you about parallel realities is a bunch of garbage. There's only one timeline out there, but if you're smart, parts of it can occasionally be overwritten. See, the people who discovered all this thought that suddenly having the ability to alter the past didn't automatically give them the right to do it. But older generations always are always more conservative, huh? It's like, what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Giving you this lore dump in the middle of 
the issue with this cab driver. Like, yeah. weird and she's just like, I don't know what you're saying, dog. Ah. <laughs> uh, I think it's weird. Because, uh, yeah, volume one, good, lots of good mystery, lots of good, like, here's weird imagery. Don't worry about it. And then part two bogs itself down with, like, a whole new concept of time travel and three different characters that are the same being. And one of them is, like, really sad. And then one of them is a future warrior. And one of them is just a cool girl. Uh, and then there's, like, that great moment in volume two that is the only part where the time travel stuff feels worth it, which is they're in the helicopter. This is, like, the very end. And older Aaron tells our, like, present Aaron that, like, the only thing I would ever tell you is to trust other people. And to stop mm-hmm. being afraid of other people. That's all right. I want out of my time travel story. Is for older me to be able to tell younger me like, hey, here's the thing you need to know about life yeah. and about how to progress. Because we get the hints that older Erin is like really sad uh, and she still lives at home and she still technically works for the newspaper that she worked at as a teenager. Mm-hmm. But they don't need to show it. They don't need to talk about it. They just like, like when they meet her, they're like, why are you still here? Why aren't you like a lawyer or something? And she's like, ugh. Oh, she's just exhausted and, and sad. I think that stuff pays so, off. I don't know. So I didn't really read her as sad as more like, this is the, this is adulting. Or yeah. Oh, God, I hate that I just fucking said adulting. <laughs> well, no, that's what I think, too. <laughs> like, it's kind of like being an adult is stressful and boring and I have anxiety. Yeah, she takes Xanax so. and they get mad at her for fucking living her life. Yep, which is like it's so like really annoying me. She's like, oh, she's fucking crazy. It's like, no, she's not. What are you talking about? She fucking she took a Xanax. She like, took one. That Xanax. doesn't make you a fucking like. She took a Xanax. Like, and they're like, okay. this girl needs to go in the loony bin. And I'm like, I don't yeah. know, maybe not. <laughs> oh, and then the part where like she learns that. Younger Aaron said that about her, and then it doesn't go anywhere because they get interrupted by fucking whatever the hell happens. <laughs> it's like, okay, thanks for developing that moment. Good payoff for that. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. And just like going off of like the 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 ableism point here, a lot of okay, so like how do I explain? It feels like some of the like offensive dialogue is more like shock value than anything else and the first time i read this i'm like wait did she really need to say the f word yes and it's like no it's the 80s but like no not like that doesn't make it okay yeah and then she was like well you know she just is talking the language of the teenage boys and i'm like yeah but does that make and how does Aaron that make it does, better? Aaron does call out on it. I'll call her out on it, but yes. it's like it didn't really need to be there and to be or like it should be framed in the like, oh, teenagers are ignorant because I I've said that word before and I didn't know what it meant. Right. But here it's like let me see if I can it's like one of the first things that happens too. Yeah. yeah. So it's like and I'm not gonna say the word, but it's like uh after she says it it's like uh yeah you heard me aids patient get lost and it's like wow. wait she's 12 years old how the fuck does she know this shit yeah like when i said that word i didn't know what it meant i didn't know what fucking gay people were 
I was just like, it's a word that I've heard been, but then she, she, it's like the supercharged thing. And it's like, that's not cool. And I don't know why you put that in there other than to make some sort of, and this is why I was worried about volume two. It's like, are you making some sort of statement that like things are better now? Because it's kind of not, or like people are still ignorant of this stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's just really weird that, and actually that is a line in the, towards the latter half yep. where the gay character, like Mac make, makes fun of the gay character. And then he's like, Oh, it's, you know, it's, it's not okay. weird anymore. Like you lived in, you lived in harsher times or whatever. And it's like, but that kind of just ignores so much about 2016. Yeah. Like people are still ignorant in that same way. I don't understand. I mean, I understand that mindset, but I still thought it was a weird excuse for saying some, for putting some slurs in your comic book, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I actually read ahead a little bit into chapters 11 and 12. Um, yeah. And they have another slur. Yep. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> why? Um, I because think... one of the characters is Jewish. Yeah. And, um, mm. oh, okay. It's just like, I don't know. And it's weird because I do like Mac as a character. And I guess, like, latter half of Paper Girls Volume 2, there's like none of that stuff. They kind of just drop that stuff. They're right? busy. <laughs> I guess, like, uh, I don't know. There, there are just a few things where I'm like, what is the message here? Um, Specifically, like, there's that one girl in 2016 who's basically wearing, like, a Black Lives Matter shirt, like, Justice right. for Tamir Rice and whatever, and she's kind of like a throwaway character that gets zappied later on, and I'm like, is this saying something, or, like... Right. What... <laughs> what is the point of that? Yeah. I guess, like, are you trying to say something good? Are you is saying anything just... at all? <laughs> Is it just window dressing? Yeah. Right. Is that just scene? Is that just scene dressing? Like, oh, look at this character, twenty sixteen. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> Are you? I I believe that maybe it's maybe it's like better intentioned than that, but it's it still kind of came off that yeah. way for me at least. So I finished volume one and I was like, I'm worried about this future stuff because. So far, the politics of this book have been, in the 80s, people said a bunch of slurs, and maybe in 27, it's 2016, 2017, you know, things will improve. That is the message you get from, again, the one exchange from the gay character who's like, okay, it's fine, you know, you've lived in worse times. Um, and so, flipping through volume two, before I actually read it, it was like, oh... There's a fucking Hillary sign in here. Yeah. Uh, with <laughs> with the speech bubble, was like, oh, we get a girl president. And it's like, <sighs> looking forward to whatever this was. And I guess I'm more positive on it now that I've actually read it. Because, okay, Tiffany is... Tiffany's the liberal here, right? Yeah. Right. She's like, okay, we get a girl president, you know. Oh, maybe America's already had four pre four women presidents by now. And Mac, Mac is my like, Mac is like, 
if she if she does not die in the future, she's gonna sign up for the DSA. Because <laughs> uh, she's like, that doesn't mean she's gonna win. And she Mac has this notion even before she finds out that she's gonna die, that it's like the future is kind of as depressing as the past. Yeah, there's kind of just more shit, but it's still depressing as hell. And I actually like that about it. I hope that it was what they were going for because again there was a lot of evidence that pointed in the way of 2016 great time for you know to be alive as a marginalized person yeah Um, but what max says in that scene made me feel a little bit better about it and i felt like there was just a little bit more nuance that and the fact that aaron is kind of like we see her trying to survive in the world we live in yeah. and the things that she struggles with are very real. Um, and so that made me a little more positive on it. But at first it definitely seemed like it seemed like a little kind of basic in kind of the politics it wanted to put out there. Yeah. that That's how I felt. I guess the way to best describe it from my perspective, it feels like, some of the symbolism and some of the messages are fairly empty, if that makes sense. Right. Um, it's like, again, like it's just basic, basic message. But I, I do mm-hmm. appreciate the like, you know, times is the same. The future and the past are both depressing and maybe in different ways and with more stuff, but yeah. they're both, you know. Yeah. They're both life. Is it Mac who finds out that her character later is going to die from leukemia? Yes. Yeah. That's a good moment. There's like again, it's, I guess it's those I like little character moments for me that like make me like these people because they're not just like optimistic, happy, lovable teenage girls. Like they're a little they're pretty yeah. bigoted and uh they're very cynical and they know that their life's going to get hard in a lot of ways and they're not like they're not wide-eyed, you know what I mean? They're not just, like, constantly mm-hmm. happy, uh, which I think is a good way to write characters in general is to, like, write a little bit of cynicism into their lives and then, like, give them a reason to find hope. But, again, like, it's you mentioned empty symbolism, Katie, and it's, like, there's... there's Other than that, there's, like, nothing this book has to say. It just kind of wants to be, like, a fun adventure, and I'm fine with that. I think fun is great, but then there's also yeah. this, like weird talk about the difference between the past and the future and it's like uh just say just say, if you're gonna try then then really try like say something don't like hint at yeah. it and then just kind of drop it and be like oh whatever stepmom is gone or like oh apple is gonna be a corporation that's evil uh blah 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 yeah. they're just showing <laughs> those things and not saying anything about them that bums me out right and it's yeah. like yeah we're yeah and then all that stuff just feels pushed to the side in this really weird way that's how I like, feel okay, too. The homophobia is like, okay, it, it was a line and then it got pushed off to the side because an action scene happened and then it really didn't go anywhere besides that. Which I guess is fine, but then when I read the back of Paper Girls Volume 2 and I see quotes like uh, from the Huffington Post, the feminist comic series for fans of Stranger Things, and it's like, uh, there's girls I don't it, really it. think that this comic book is feminist. I don't think so either. Um, So, one thing that I do want to mention is, like, 
since I was reading it like issue by issue as opposed to like a collective volume, there were like little, I don't know, it was like the newspaper deliverer guild, uh, mm. like, like from a magazine. It was like, we have an art contest and answer these questions and send this in and you can get this subscription and whatever. It basically has stuff like that, like you would find yeah. in, in any like kids newspaper thing. Yeah. And they had a lot of like letters to the mascot, child, boy, paper deliverer. And um, one of the like questions they asked was, how would you feel about like female paper deliverers? And like, basically, a lot of the boys were like really angry. And they were like, mm -hmm. we don't want this. And but from that point on, it's kind of like, it develops into these girls sending in questions and responses and stuff like that, uh, just kind of like to take up space um, mm. in that environment. Cause they're even like adding uh, like recipes and stuff like in, in their submissions and stuff just to, to say something and to be there as, as in the newspaper delivery, like world. Um, when, you know, they're being told, no, girls won't be newspaper deliverers, which is so strange because th this takes place during the same time as the story. So it's like, what? Um, that's a bit odd. But um, I, I feel like it feels like it's not ingrained in the story enough because this is something that the volume readers like completely don't even have. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Um, right. I I have no idea what you're talking about. Exactly. I thought, were, I thought when you started describing it, I thought you were like, here is some reader mail that was sent in. I didn't know it was like an actual like in-universe thing. Yeah, it is. And it's like, I don't, I don't see it as being like a feminist work without that. But it's also mm -hmm. viewed as not vital, I guess, and not important enough to include. So it's like, right. I guess it's not important. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's weird. It feels like very different, different messages. Yeah. Yeah. I think just kind of a bigger point to, to touch on. Uh, a big problem with, with the, the way that people use the term feminist now is to like describe something that just features women, not necessarily yeah. well-written women. But just like a lot of women in it is like, oh, this is feminist. This is a big thing that we need yeah. to hold up and say is amazing. But as we've discussed, yeah. Paper Girls is not necessarily, in our opinions, amazing. It's interesting and there's a lot going on. But like if you want to talk about like feminist comic books, we can talk about uh, Bitch Planet from here to tomorrow. That is an amazing right. story that if you're looking for stories that are about explicitly feminism, that is a comic where the premise briefly is that uh, men are... Uh, get to choose which uh, women in their lives they can send to a prison planet where they fight each other to the death. And it turns out all the women are amazing and they want to fight their way out and start a revolution. It's great. It's very gay and very good. <laughs> like, that stuff mm. is explicit feminist because it's about women and, and feminism and equality between genders and sex. This is not a feminist text. It is just a story about women. Yeah. Well, also, like, again, I said at the top here, 
the pitch I was given for this book is is Stranger Things, but with girls, which is like, if if your pitch on this is like, oh, it's like this other thing. But with girls? But girls. That's not feminism. That's like Lady Ghostbusters all over again. Exactly. Yeah, there you go. Plus, like, I don't even see, I mean, aside from like the 80s setting, it doesn't really feel like Stranger Things at all. Yeah. But have you seen Stranger Things? You said you haven't. Uh, I have not seen Stranger Things. Um, I assume that, like, all of those comments about Stranger Things were probably when, like, the first only, like, couple issues were out. Because mm-hmm. nothing else feels like Stranger Things other than, like, that basement scene. And, like, the early, like, not horror, I guess, because I haven't seen Stranger Things. But, like, that basement scene, the, like, weird, like, eye monster. Like, that's kind of it. Yeah. That's only, like, that's only kind of, or, like... Maybe the werewolf, right? But, like, that's kind of the only, like, recognizable, like, horror stuff, you know? Right. It's kind of like, I I don't think they're comparable just because it features children in the 80s with sci-fi elements. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're completely different stories, and I don't know. It, I find that description of it kind of odd as a, a mm-hmm. choice. Um, but, you know... I yeah. mean, it's it's reductive, and this is actually coincidentally a thing that I talked about with Scott Benson at PAX briefly, which is, like, in a lot of nerd circles, we're really obsessed with taxonomy and, like, labeling right. things as either, oh, it's this genre, it is a, unequivocally a, you know, action story or an action game, or more more commonly, especially in video games and comics, there's this tendency to describe things as blank meets blank. Because nothing can be itself. It has to be the only way for us to identify things is to compare them to things that already exist. Which further yeah. furthers the problem that we sometimes feel today, which is that every story feels like a retread of another story. Like, mm-hmm. to describe... And, and not only that, but to describe this story as Stranger Things but with girls. Like, to use the term but with girls is like... That feels almost offensive to me. Like, oh, it's just the same story, but we <laughs> switched the genders. Like, what do you do? What is that? Why? Why did you do that? What was the benefit of that? Right. Yeah. You got to just have a reason for these things. It can just be a story. I'm sorry. That was a big... Uh, <laughs> I got into a little bit of a huff there. Uh, no, it's fine. Like, uh, I remember... Um, I- I'm sorry if this is a bit of a tangent, but when you were talking about, like, categorizing things and being like, no, it is this. I remember once um, I used to hang out around, like, a games internet cafe thing. Um, somebody asked if they, anybody else thought that Portal was a first-person shooter. And I was like, yeah, you're first-person perspective and you shoot things with a Portal gun, but you still shoot a gun thing. And everybody thought that was the most ridiculous thing ever that I had said that because apparently first-person shooters are only like live-fire weapons and war related and i'm like but it's first person and, and you're, you're shooting. shooting it's a first person shooter John... like, but it's not violent and it's not guns people aren't dying and i'm like but well that's not what you asked <laughs> so i think genre's I, I don't know i agree though and on some level like why does that matter totally yeah <laughs> yeah it's just a story oh yeah it's like um but i guess 
Paper Girls kind of defies any genre yeah. stuff by just kind of being nonsense. Exactly. Which yeah. is maybe not the best way to go about it. <laughs> but uh, that's kind of a thing about it. It's like, okay, so wait, do you want to be a horror comic? Do you want to be a sci-fi comic? What do you is what there are you doing? comedy what in are you here? Doing right now? <laughs> I guess it's, like, yeah. for me, if it wants to be nonsense i would prefer it be more nonsensical if it wants to have like a greater message i would prefer it lean more that way but to me it's kind of like what like what you said what does it want to be and i feel like if it wants to have i I wouldn't say like more success but if i were to personally enjoy it more i would want it to develop in either of those ways and that's not to say i don't like the comic because I right. I do enjoy a lot of aspects of it. Um, I mean, I read I the whole thing. Enjoyed reading it. Yeah. Yeah. And I I am interested to see where they develop the story. I I want to know like how it ends up. Um, whether that be me just reading it on a wiki somewhere, being like, oh, okay, that's the ending, or reading it myself. Um, either way, I do want to know how it ends because I'm like, where can this go? Um, so it does mm-hmm. keep me intrigued. I just want a direction, whether that is nonsense yeah. or or symbolism and actual messages. So, yeah. Let me read this. Let me read this NPR quote. Okay. Paper Girls tells a story from the point of uh, point of view of young women, not boys, and it doesn't seem coincidental that its tone is harder, flintier, funnier, more pragmatic and far less concerned with idealizing the lost innocence of childhood. Okay. Okay. What? And and to and to me it's like, okay, so a dude was able to write women well is what we're giving this book credit right. for. Yeah. And it's like there's so much comics out there by queer women, by women, by people of color that like why are people champion and this is such a trend too right it's not just paper girls this happens all the time is like a cis white guy or maybe not even white uh writes a book about women and that gets herald over books written by women people of color and it's ridiculous yeah and this is this is the exact same thing because it takes and it just it just sounds like I fucking hate the comic. I don't. It's fine. Yeah. But I just don't find anything worth championing here. I really don't. Yeah, same the here. The characters are cool. I like them. But outside of the fact that they're women, outside of the fact that they make some weak attempts at social commentary, there's nothing here. It's just a fun sci-fi adventure which is fine but don't raise that up like it's something special when it's not there are better voices out there that are being ignored for stuff like this and that bums me out and i want to say before we in case we ever i ever get like a weird comment about something like i am a dude i am neither not i'm not necessarily cis and i'm most certainly not heterosexual but and and so i'm not here to tell you but i am i guess a dude i guess I'm not here to tell you this book is not feminist. Like, that's the la- the law of the land. I'm just saying that that's yeah. not the way that I've been told that that word works. 
You don't just put girls in it, mm-hmm. even though a dude wrote it and go, wow, this is great. We need to make sure this sells well because this is what we were looking for all along. We solved writing women well because a dude did it well. That, that to me, doesn't sound like you solved anything. That just sounds like you wrote a pretty interesting story. To me, it's like kind of the bare minimum. Yes. Do you know yes. how to write characters exactly. when you're writing a yes. story? Okay. Why is that? celebratory can't can't we like branch off from that and do something more than just being able to write a person like as Mm -hmm. a person because that's what this is it's like there's all these different characters and they're all people at least the main characters are um so it's like let's 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 take a step up from there let's make it more in order to celebrate mm-hmm. it, as opposed to just being like, hey, look, this dude wrote people. Isn't that great? Isn't They're that girls. Great? <laughs> no, I guess. <laughs> Fucking, I, no. I mean, yeah, it's cool. It's cool to see women being written as people, but at the same time, like, that, there, there needs to be more than that in order to be heralded as something that is a really nice feminist work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. let's not applaud dudes for literally doing, like, bare minimum. Let's maybe look towards women if we're going for, like, feminist things and supporting women who are in the comics yeah. industry. And, I don't know, maybe looking into some of their things, looking into POC things. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm down for. So, you know, the yeah. final shot of volume two, just to kind of close it out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> is it's such a good clincher on the final shot of volume two is very feminist. It's so feminist. <laughs> um, it's everything it really we just talked about in a nutshell in one shot, which is just like, <laughs> oh man, we're in, we jumped through the portal. We found our friend. Yeah. Our friend's back. But what's this zoom the hell out. We got a big ass green hill. With a satanic demon goat holding up the Apple logo. See in volume three, motherfuckers. What? No. Like, what does that mean? (laughs) Why did you do that? What what are you saying? (laughs) Why? Why? Just just because it's funny looking? It's so corny. I can't take it. I can't take it. Yeah. It's really dumb. (sighs) People should read Saga. Brian K. Vaughn has done better work than this. <laughs> Saga's really good. Saga's like it's so weird that he wrote this in Saga. Like I get he's done a ton of different work and um has like a really great writing style and a and a great like work ethic, but like oh man. <laughs> Leave it to mm-hmm. tell the stories about the parents and the aliens and the big penis aliens and all the sex and the horns and all that stuff. That's for you, Brian. Give us a story about <laughs> women by women, please, and thank you. Yeah. And again, not necessarily his no. fault. More on the reviewers for yes. maybe having they're, they're, poor standards. They're lifting him up to feminism. impossible standards. Like it's not this isn't the book that's gonna. My save issue, us. yeah, like my issue is yeah. with how it's framed. I don't yeah. think that you know there's anything wrong with the story. And I mean, like in in regards to like you're the people at fault here. You're doing it wrong. It's like, no, maybe we should just calm down a little bit as reviewers. But um, 
I don't know. I don't hate it. I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm like bashing on this thing because I, I actually, again, enjoyed it. I just. Well, we criticize the things yeah. we love. Ultimately, that's a lot of what the show is about. This podcast. Yeah, the reason why we're so passionate is because we care. Yeah, I just again the trend of like lifting up dudes as writers of comics that feature women is gross and needs to stop because it's bad and i don't think that was the intention here i can't really speak to the intention to me this is just a dumb sci-fi story but again it gets lifted by these critics who have this very basic idea of what feminism is and Mm -hmm. it's like why this is not worth that it's cool it's i like reading it but it's not that it's definitely not a feminist comic now gem and the holograms (laughs) Uh, i love gem and the holograms so much it's so good it's the next book on my comics backlog as soon as i finish this volumes two and three of gem came up on sale and i was like oh yes that's what that's my shit that's what i'm looking for thank you take it yep want a comic book written by women there you go exactly it's a good one All right, is that it for Paper Girls? I think that might be it. Delivered fresh to your door every morning, Fireside Friends. Yep, (laughs) podcast podcast delivered on bicycle. (laughs) What if you did that? It's like two people on bikes run down the street and just have a loud conversation every morning. Oh my god, I you know what I should do? I should put this podcast on a CD and hand it out like it's a mixtape. Yeah, you Everybody should. just walk down the street. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Charge for it, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alright. That's it for Paper Girls. It's alright. <laughs> it's alright, yeah. I guess. You could do worse comics. It's a fun read if you want something dumb. Um, Yeah. That's it. All right. Let's go on to some housekeeping. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you could do so at Podcast Fireside. I've been working on the Twitter brand, posting some jokes now and then. Posting maybe. some pop dories. Yeah. What? Pop, the pop, pop vinyl dory. Oh, that's not my main Twitter. Though. I'm not posting that on the podcast. Though, <laughs> so you know what? Now that you say that, I might just... To keep the Fireside French feed alive every day, I will retweet um, <laughs> Funko Pop Dory. Yes, thank you. That's really what we need. Uh, but yeah, follow us on Twitter, Podcast Fireside. Email us at firesidefriendspodcast at gmail.com if you want to send in any emails, questions, concerns, etc. And uh, yeah, that's, that's all the business. If you want to um, review us on iTunes, you can do that. Um, or tell your friends, spread the word if you like the podcast. And, uh, yeah. Alan, where can people find you on online? I'm on the online at twitter.com <laughs> at Alan Ibrahim. It's spelled A-L-L-E-N-I-B-R-A-H-I-M. And then Katie's off the grid as usual. Yee! You can find me at Taco Detective. That's all one word on the Twitter. And, uh, yeah, you could see some stuff that I post. I don't know. 
I get followers. I don't know why people keep <laughs> following me, but they do. So I'm going to just keep posting. You got good tweets. And uh, yeah, we'll be back in a couple weeks with another podcast. We will let you know what we're doing next episode on the Twitter account, which again is at Podcast Fireside. But until then, uh, thank you all for listening. Good luck out there. And don't forget to take care of yourself. We'll see you all later. Bye.